If you have your Bible, please open it to Matthew um, chapter 5. We will be looking at verse 9 today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Michelle uh, Kentley is a consultant on uh, bioethics and public policy associate at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. And in 2007, she wrote an article for the Public Justice Review titled, To Repeal or Not to Repeal, While That is Not the Question. She writes in this article, she says, A careful reading of Scripture reveals that the biblical understanding of, of human dignity might often appropriately be, trans, be called human flourishing, or shalom in Hebrew. The biblical ideal of shalom, often translated as peace, is not only the absence of conflict, but the flourishing of creation that results when it's in right relationship with its creator. She goes on and says, in the Old Testament, the Israelites were called to carry shalom wherever they went, even into exile into Babylon for the benefit of a pagan and enemy culture. Importantly, shalom, as it is described in Scripture, never merely refers to the flourishing of a set of individuals, but rather the flourishing of a people, a community connected to each other and responsible to each other. On this Resurrection Sunday, I'm uh, going to talk about shalom and flourishing by looking at uh, the seventh beatitude in Matthew 5, 9. It says, flourishing are the peacemakers. Because they shall be called sons of God. Flourishing are the peacemakers. Because they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Please, please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the, the preaching of your word, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. You are the, the, the part of the Godhead. You are the third person within the Trinity, and you are our counselor. You are our helper. You are the one who reminds us of truth. You are the one who helps us understand truth. You are the one who helps us to live in grace. So, Spirit, help us today. And I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. The Village Church is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America also known as the PCA. We, we are a local body of Christ who are striving and praying to be cross-cultural and, and multi-ethnic. That's what we're striving to be. And, and on paper, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> on paper, it looks great. On paper, it's a wonderful picture of, of God's kingdom. On paper, People want to be part of a church like this. On paper, it's cool and it's trendy. I'm a member of the Village Church. On paper, there is unity in the midst of diversity. On paper, we're broken people coming together. But let's be real. In reality, in, in, in functional life, it's really hard being here, if we're honest with ourselves. In reality, many of y'all have thought about leaving and finding a new church. Let's just be honest. It's uncomfortable here. It makes you feel vulnerable. Always around election time. 
In reality, feelings get hurt here. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of assumptions. There, there are biases. In, in reality, silence on sensitive issues and hard topics is really what we want. It's really what we want. Let's just not talk about it. In reality, many of us, myself included, we often prefer window dressing diversity or what I call the school cafeteria diversity. Because in this cafeteria, you have all the different ethnicities there together, but they ain't talking to each other, but they're in the same space, but they're not one. In reality, there will come a time for all of us, myself included, when it's going to be easier for us just to leave. It's going to come. Eventually, it's going to come. You're going to have a decision to make, would I stay or would I leave? Because working for Shalom and being a peacemaker here often loses the battle against our individualistic, consumer, all-about-me approach to Christianity in America. Because at the end of the day, we care about number one. But yet, saints, in reality, being peacemakers, it will help us stay here through the ups and downs of doing life together in a church like this. You cannot say, I want to be a, a church that's try, be part of a church like this and not ever expect to get your feelings hurt. That's going to happen. But what are you going to do when it happens? Christ says flourishing are the peacemakers. And, and peacemaking is, is a conviction of the way. Not my way, not the village church's way. It's, it's Jesus' way. It's, it's the way of God's kingdom. And, and peacemaking is a conviction that every believer should have regardless of age and gender, ethnicity, or nationality. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is talking to his disciples, his people, talking to them. And if you have saving faith in Christ, then he's talking directly to you. Believers work to make peace among people in conflict. We do. We Among people in disagreements. And we work for, we make peace in our families, in our personal relationships. I didn't ask my son permission of this, but I'm going to share it anyway, son. I asked my son, I said, son, do, do I sometimes get on your nerves? He says, yes. And I said, sometimes you get on mine too. But you know when it happens? Because we're family, we just going to have to work it out. You just going to have to work it out. Because sometimes you're going to get on each other's nerves. But because you're family, you work it out. So peacemaking, we, have, we, we, we take this peacemaking attitude into our church, into our communities, into our workplace, in our schools, in our government, in our sports teams, in our social clubs. We take it into the world. Because James says in, three, in James 3.18, he says, The harvest of righteousness is sown by peace by those who make peace. Are you a peacemaker? Do you make peace? Ken Sanday with Peacemaker Ministries, he created, he created a slippery slope diagram to help people gauge how they are responding to conflict. And there are three responses on this diagram. First, the, the first, peace faking has escape responses like denial, flight, or even worse, suicide. 
The second, there's this peace-breaking uh, responses. Peace-breaking has attack responses like assault and litigation and murder. And third, there's peacemaking, and it has peacemaking responses like overlook, reconciliation, negotiation, mediation, arbitration, and accountability. So take a look at the diagram up here. Can you map your responses to the conflicts you're currently dealing with? Because we all deal with conflict. It's a part of life. Can you map how you're dealing with conflicts within our body, within your family, immediate family and extended family? How are you dealing with it? Do we have the self-awareness and the emotional intelligence to even know? Peace breaker, peacemaker, peace faker, escape responses, attack responses, peacemaking responses. Where are you, saints? Be honest to yourself about yourself. Village Church kids, let me have your attention. And youth, you too. Who likes fruit? Raise your hand. Can you name some of your favorite fruit? Oranges? Apples? What else? Yes. Yes. Now, all these wonderful fruits that you enjoy... Do they just magically appear in your fridge? No. They have to be harvested from a tree or a plant that, that grows from a seed sown by a farmer. You see, peacemaking is a tree. It grows from a seed planted in the hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that peacemaking tree produces certain kinds of fruit in your life. Certain kinds of fruit in your life. And evangelism. Is one of those fruits. Because through evangelism, we are sharing the good news of the gospel with, with, with those who don't know Christ with the hope that they would come to know Christ so they would have peace with God like we have peace with God. So evangelism is one of those fruits. Keeping short accounts with other people is one of those fruits. Forgiveness is a fruit. Repentance is a fruit. Speaking the truth in love is a fruit. Walking alongside of one another in the spirit of mutual brokenness is a fruit. Extending grace to others is a fruit. Being quick to listen and slow to speak is a fruit. Advocacy is one. Accountability is one. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable is one. Leaning into vulnerability is one. And engaging in hard and, and difficult conversations about race and justice and gender and social class and politics and even sexual orientation is a fruit of peacemaking. Having honest conversations with family, friends, and coworkers about loneliness, depression, and addictions is part of peacemaking. Laboring hard to create and maintain unity within our body is a fruit of repentance, the fruit of peacemaking. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, as a president of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. That's 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 a amen statement there. To be a peacemaker means you make every effort to maintain your unity to the spirit and the bond of peace. 
in your church, in your families, in your relationships, in our small groups, in our Sunday gatherings. You are a peace agent as a believer here at the Village Church. A peace agent. Not an agent of destruction. Not an agent of disunity, divisiveness. Not an agent of a gossip and slander. Not an agent of indifference. But we are peace agents. Because flourishing are the peacemakers. And peacemaking isn't a checklist. It's not a household chore. It's not an app on your smartphone. It flows from your heart. Flows from the heart of believers. Through the work of the Holy Spirit. And peacemaking is really a work of God's free grace in your life. But do you believe it, saints? Do you believe it? It's a work of God's free grace in your life. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be the Bridge. And Be the Bridge is a racial unity and reconciliation ministry that wants the church to be a credible witness to God's transforming power. In an interview with Christianity Today, Morrison says, as Christians, we are benefactors of reconciliation, and we should want to live reconciled lives. Reconciliation is also the essence of who God is. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. And if we are the outward expression of his character, his heart, and his words, then we have to reflect this reconciling part of who he is. But the thing that brings us together, that unites us as the body of Christ, is the message of the gospel. Racial reconciliation is not some kind of agenda. It is a gospel message. It is discipleship. You see, believers don't flourish in life because we're peacemakers. Okay? They don't flourish in life because they work for peace. They flourish in life because their God is faithful to them. Okay? Forever God is faithful. Forever God is strong. Forever God is with us. Forever. Believers flourish because they are reconciled to a holy God. Think about that. Let that, let that truth sit with you for a moment. Let it sit in your mind and in your soul for a moment. That all believers are at peace with God. You are at peace with him if you have faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is your peacemaker. He's your peacemaker. The mediator between you and God. Do you see Jesus as your peacemaker with God? Do you see him as your mediator before God? That's what Holy Week and Good Friday and Easter is all about. That you don't have to be your own peacemaker before God. Christ is that for you. But do you believe that? Romans 4, 24 says, Jesus was delivered up for our transgressions and he was raised for our justification. The prophet Isaiah says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. These are all amen statements. Y'all are all silent here now. Jesus dies on, on the cross in your place. 
Please know that. He dies in your place. He sacrifices himself for sinners, and he makes a full payment for their sins. Not a partial payment, and it's not a layaway plan. He paid it all with his life and his death and his resurrection. And he alone rescues sinners and enemies from God's wrath. Because as he hung on that cross, all of God's wrath was then poured out upon him. On him. Instead of us. Why do you think he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the father turned his back on his son. For you. For you. So that you can have a way to be made right with him. Please know that the cost for reconciliation with God cost him the life of his only son. Cost him his life so that you can be made right with him. And know that Jesus is a peacemaker, not a peace faker, not a peace breaker. Romans 5, 8 says, God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. So therefore, we have not been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Who did Christ die for? Who did he hang on the cross for? The same people who said crucify him. That's who he died for. If you have saving faith in Jesus today, you are reconciled with God. That is a done deal. All you got to do is just enjoy it. And some of you need to stop trying to climb up on the cross with Jesus. Because if you if you're there with him, only one of y'all gonna be resurrected. So, <laughs> so don't climb up there with him. It's finished. It's finished. Some of you need to memorize that verse. It's finished. When you get up in the morning, remind yourself, it's finished. When you go to bed at night, it's finished. Stop doing what he's already done. Because you can't add to it. You can't add to it. You, if you are a Christian, you are no longer God's enemy. You are God's friend. Do you come to God as a friend? If you are a believer today, you are no longer an orphan, but you are a son or daughter. Do you come to him as a son or daughter? Do you come to him as a son or daughter? How do you come to him? Flourishing are the peacemakers because they shall be called sons and daughters of God. Flourishing are the peacemakers because they are sons and daughters of God. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's who you are. And a lot of you don't have any joy because you don't know how to live as a son or daughter. You're still trying to work. For what Christ has already given you. Favor from God. He can't give you any more of it. He's giving you all of it. Pray that you can enjoy it. Pray that you can rest in it. 
Do you believe it? John 1.12 says, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Believers are God's children through adoption. Through adoption. And what is adoption? Adoption is an act of God's free grace, whereby you are received into the number and have the right to all the privileges of the sons and daughters of God. You have that right because you have been adopted into God's family. You are fellow heirs with Christ, heirs to the promise of God in Christ. This means, again, that is your identity. Son of God, amen. If you are a male and you are a Christian, your identity is son of God. If you are a female and you are a Christian, your identity is daughter of God. Everything else flows from that. You are not your struggles. You are not your success. You are not the roles that you have. You are a child of God if you have faith in him. Everything else flows from that. You are God's child before you anything else before him. If you put anything else before that, you are going to live a miserable Christian life. Because you're trying to find your identity in other things but Jesus. You, you are, your kids don't have to work to be your kids if you have kids. They're your kids. If they, if you're making them work for favor and privileges, come on. Does God make you work for your, for his privileges that he gives you? No. So parent your kids the way God parents you. Peacemaking. I know I lost my place. This is why I got to stick to my notes. Jesus' death and resurrection, it creates two types of reconciliations. Two types. And I'm going to use geometry to illustrate this point. So your horizontal line runs from left to right. A vertical line runs straight up and down. As a peacemaker, Jesus creates a vertical reconciliation that runs straight up and down. He creates a horizontal reconciliation that runs left to right. Vertical vertical reconciliation is reconciliation between God and people. Amen. Amen. Horizontal reconciliation is between people, mainly believers. Christ has reconciled Christians not only to God, he he has reconciled us to one another. As an amen statement. He has reconciled us to one another. And that means we can't create racial reconciliation. It's already been paid for on the cross. All we got to do is live it out. Because if the cross and the resurrection ain't enough for us to get along, then I don't care how many sermons I preach or how many conferences we have or how many table talks we have. It ain't going to happen. If the cross is not enough. Ephesians 2 says, Jesus came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. And through him, we both have access to one spirit in the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of God's household. All believers are members of God's family. We are family here. We aren't just people who go to church together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And together, we are to be peacemakers 
as we do life together. Peacemaking is the church being the bridge that can reconcile together people who otherwise wouldn't have anything to do with each other. That's what the power of the, of the gospel can do. It can bring together people who otherwise would not hang out. And the village church can be a peacemaking bridge that reconciles people from different cultures, ethnicities, and nationalities, and ages, and social classes together in one local body. We can do that. It is happening. Do we believe it? Do we want it? And it would be uncomfortable, but do you want it? Paul says in Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be stuck up, in a, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought toward his honorable in sight of all. And if possible, if possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all people. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. One Christian theologian says, imagine a man collecting wood in the, in, for his fireplace. He finds a good supply of branches, but they are varied shapes and sizes, some long, some thin, some short, some thick, some straight, some twisted. He, he binds them together with a rope and one bundle and easily carries them home. So it is in the church. We are a varied church bunch. What a varied bunch we are. And how will Christ carry us home? He ties us together with a bond of peace. With a bond of peace. And so when you look at this table and this meal, it's not the village church's table. It is Jesus' table. And this table is a reminder that all believers are at peace with God. That's what the Lord's table is a reminder of. If you have saving faith in Jesus today, that you are at peace with God. You don't have to work for it. All you got to do is live in it. It's a reminder that Christ also has, has tied together all Christians together in his body, in his in the church, together, to be reconciled together. And if you have saving faith in Jesus, he invites you to come and partake of this meal with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if you're here, if you don't know Christ, thank you so much for being here. And if you have a questions of what it means to have saving faith in Jesus, please come see me at the end of the service, and I will share the good news of the gospel with you. Adults, we also ask that the kids with you uh, abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. And all kids, all of the church kids, this is my favorite part of communion. I want each of you to know that what we do here with this meal is a reminder to you that Jesus loves you.